we started to talk in the last few weeks, uh, two weeks ago, about this about God's abundance. How many knows God is an abundant God? He's got a the cattle on a thousand hills. He does not need our money. Church, what have I done to you? So I think that I gave you a sleeping pill during worship or the Lord. I don't know. What? Come on. There you go. Good. Nice. Did that wake you up? Please, rescue me. Ian, it's going to cost you. waiting on me to pray and I was gonna do something I was gonna sing a song which everybody can be thankful that I didn't sing what happened to me is while we were singing that song and and I can remember um that song stirs something in inside of me because I think anytime you've been struggling or if you're struggling you that song just so ministers to that to that area in me and, and one of the things that kept coming to me, and the, the music had stopped, and I thought, I just don't know if I can put myself out here like this and sing this, and I'm not going to sing right now, but what I'm going to do is tell you what was on my heart, and that is um, that, that I'll go where you go. And, and I, think, I think that song is, is so, so good. It's such a picture of, you know, even though I'm cracked and dry, I'm going to go the river. I'm going to go where you are. I'm going to go where your presence is. And, and I feel like the Lord's calling us to that. I feel like he's calling us to a place of, you know, it, it really doesn't matter how I feel about it. it. It doesn't really matter what I feel like. It doesn't really matter what's gone wrong. It doesn't matter what's happening in my life or what needs to change. But, Lord, I'm going to go where you go. And, you know, I just read that this morning in one of the Psalms. And, and I, I wish I could remember which one it was, but it was essentially, I'm going where you are. And I think we've got to set our little hearts and our little faces on him and say, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what circumstances I'm walking through because I'm not going to look at those circumstances because I'm going to look at you, Jesus, and I'm going to the river. I'm going where his presence is. And I think he's calling y'all that. I think he's calling you all there tonight too. I think he's calling us all. And so are we willing? Are we willing to just walk through the muck and walk through the mire and say, you know what? I'm going there. I'm going where you are, Lord. At all costs, I'm going where you are. Amen. That's good. She can sing. She just thinks she can't. She does. Amen. Well, bless you. God's abundance. God's abundance. We started last week, and tonight we're going to focus on the basic principles that govern God's provision for us. Does everybody know that God is Jehovah Jireh? I am the Lord your provider. Do you remember when he gave us the name Jehovah Jireh? It was when uh, Abraham took Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him. And when he got up there, there was the provision out of Abraham's obedience. And if you read about Abraham, he did not delay. He packed and he left. And he went to go do what God called him to do. And in the midst of him going, 
God provided. And here we go, God's provision. He is our provider. And, and in the next coming few weeks, we're going to talk about the conditions for receiving God's abundance. Do you know there's conditions? There's conditions. We've got to do certain things. Praise God, it's, it's His blessing. Um, yeah, you guys know I struggle so much with this. God's not a God of works, but He is a God of His kingdom. And we must line up with His kingdom. You follow that? We can never do enough to earn God's salvation. Never. That's free. But there are certain things that we have to walk through. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Well, does that mean we have to do something to show him that we love him? What do we have to do? We have to obey. That's how we show the Lord that we, that we love him. Okay, five principles for provision. I'm going to go through five basic principles. Not tonight. I'm probably just going to get through one of them tonight. The five basic principles of provision. Number one, his promises. God's provision is in his promises. And we see this so clearly in 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge and of, and of Jesus our Lord. Let's stop just a second. If you brought your Bible, turn to this. Stop just a minute and turn to this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. I think that sometimes there's so many, um, I don't want to say complex words, that, but there's so many words you got to think about that we miss the picture right here. I want you to know that the Christian life is a life of multiplication. It's not static. It's not just hanging on to what you got. It's not even addition. You remember what it just said? Let's go back. Grace and peace be multiplied. God says, go forth and multiply. God blesses. God, God provides 10, 20, 100 fold. Right? It's multiple. He added to the church in multiplication, not in addition. Addition's not big enough. It takes multiplication. This comes how? Through the knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. Everything we need comes to us from God through Jesus. We need no other source of supply and no other channel. And Peter, in the second part of this, in the tense that Peter uses is, has given. He has given we see that God has already given us all we're ever going to need for time and eternity, for every area of our lives. I'm going to just keep going back and forth. It says right here that he has given to us all the things that pertain to life. Is that, is that everything? And godliness. What is that saying? Anything we could ever need or anything that we may think we may fall short on He's going to provide. He, he, he isn't going to provide. 
He has provided. Amen. Rebecca, I got you here this, this evening. All right. He's already given to us. You know, it's not easy for God to answer. You, you know, you know what, what happens is a lot of times we pray a little bit outside of the way God answers. How can God answer a prayer that he's already provided? Would that not contradict his word? Does that make any sense? When we are asking for certain provisions that he has already provided through his son Jesus, how does God answer that? Well, I think it's grace and mercy. I think that he knows He knows what we need, yet he still provides. But learning to ask according to his word, according to his will, according to his kingdom, is what we're looking at, is how to find the source of his abundance. Or how do we figure out his kingdom dynamics so that we align ourselves with what he wants for us? It's not easy for God to answer those prayers because by answering them because that would support the misunderstanding. So sometimes we have to adjust our thinking in order to pray the kind of prayer that God's able to answer. And I want to encourage you, sometimes being thankful is enough. Do you know that one way that we worship Him is being thankful? One way that we enter in, into the presence of God is by thankfulness. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Thankfulness is a way into the presence of God. Amen? Sometimes being thankful is more appropriate than petitioning God. What does it do? It, it, what does it do? It, does, it aligns you with kingdom. When we're asking, gimme, 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 it doesn't. He says, I did, I did, I did, I did. I have, I have, I have, I have given. Go back and read. I have given. He has given. Notice again, all things are included in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Greek says that Jesus called us to his own glory and virtue. It's not our glory. It's his glory. He called us to his glory. He called us to his virtue. Not mine. His virtue. God has already given us everything we need, and it's all contained in the knowledge of Jesus. Now, this word knowledge does mean knowledge, but it also means acknowledge, that we acknowledge Jesus. It means both knowledge and acknowledging. It's not enough that we intellectually know about Jesus. Let me tell you, lost people know about Jesus most do. There, there are some that have never heard the name Jesus, but there many, many people that have chosen not to receive Jesus know about Jesus. Is knowledge enough? No. We must acknowledge him in our lives. So if we continue, if you've got your Bibles open, just keep reading the next, the next scripture. By which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Here's the key. God has already given us everything that we're going to need. Where is it? It's in the promises of his word. God's provision is in his promises. It's the vital truth that you have got to grasp. God's provision is in his promises. God's provision is in his promises. You need to say it to yourself over and over until it becomes a way of life. 
God's provision is in the promises of His Word. Now if we'll continue on verse 4, it says that through these, these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. I'm telling you, this is, it's a snowball. This snowball of God trying to bless you is a snowball of power. So, he has given to us everything that we could need, which are located in his promises. And when we start to acknowledge and walk in his promises, what happens? There's a consequence that happens. In proportion as we become partakers, we become partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? It means we start to take on godly characteristics. Is that what you read? Partakers of the divine nature. That through these, these promises, we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption. The divine nature is incorruptible. Everything in this world is corruptible. Logically, therefore, as we become partakers of the nature of God, we are delivered from the corruption of the world. By receiving His promises, which are our blessing. I'm going to say it for you. Hallelujah! God, God has these things for me. When I receive them and take them, I start to take on who He is. Why? Because I start to believe in who He is. I start to walk in how He does. I don't become God, but I start to take on this divine nature Having escaped, I start escaping the corruption of the world. I'm just going to take you with me, Rebecca, and you can just follow me around. You just encourage me. (laughs) Now, that's not it. Let's continue. If I can sum up. The essence of what Peter has told us in chapter 3 and 4 can be reduced down to five statements that describe that his promises, that his provision is in his promises. Number one, God's power, God's divine power has already given us everything that we're ever going to need for time and eternity. What Jesus Christ did on the cross for us has fulfilled any need we could have any need that I could ever have has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ it's all contained in rightly knowing and acknowledging Jesus I've already said this I've said it probably ten times God's provision is in his promises, in his word. And as we appropriate the promises, we become partakers of God's nature. And as we become partakers of God's nature, we are delivered from the corruption of this world. Does that sum up those three verses, two verses pretty good? Can you see that when we line up with his word and his desire, every need is met. Every enemy is defeated. We have victory 
We have breakthrough. We have everything that we could ever need in life and in godliness. You know, I think of life as being the things that I just need. Godliness are the things that I can't do on my own. He realizes, what does that basically say? And I'm not trying to demean us at all, but we can't do anything without him. But his provision provides everything. I encourage you, take some time, go home with this scripture and kind of meditate on it. It, it, it. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. Let's go ahead and go to the second one, and I'll finish with this one. The second principle of provision is our inheritance. They are what God is bringing us into. You know, there's a... There's a uh, a simple parallel between the Old Testament and the New. In the Old Testament, under a leader named Joshua, God brought his people into a promised land. He delivered them to the promised land. In the New Testament, under Jesus Christ, who in the Hebrew is Joshua, God brings his people not into the promised land, but into a land of promise into a land of promises. Old covenant, the promised land. New covenant is the land of promises. And if we can look just for a minute, if you've got your Bibles, turn it to Joshua chapter 1. And let's see the conditions that God gave Joshua. God first reminded Joshua. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's Joshua chapter 1 verse 2. And I find that real significant. You know, any time, before we can come into, into something new, there always has to be death of something old. The spiritual life, in a certain sense, is like seasons of the year. You know, they're continuing. They're ongoing. They're up, they're down. They, we have summer with its abundance. Then we have fall, which is a time of withering. We have winter, which is a time of death. And then spring, which is a time of renewal and resurrection. And it's a principle that we go through regularly in our lives. God only blesses that which has died and has been resurrected. The transition from Moses to Joshua was a transition from death to life. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, given to them, which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon that I have given you, as I have said to Moses. Now, if you'll notice here in this, let's emphasize for just a minute. Is it this part or the part before? Let's go back. I want you to check right here. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people. Everybody say all. All. God wasn't going to leave anybody behind. Nobody. I think that in, in today's society, especially in the church, I think we'd be happy with 90%. Not God. All. You and all this people. The entire children of Israel are going over. You know, I, I, I talked about a sermon. Uh, I, I, I gave, um, I spoke at my grandfather's funeral. And I talked about Noah. 
and how Noah demanded that his children and son-in-laws get on the boat. He made sure they all got on. I could just imagine him yelling at them. You're getting on this boat whether you like it or not. You don't know what's good for you. I do. Get on the boat. And you can see here that the Lord is saying, Joshua, I'm going to deliver you all. You are all going in. Everybody. I believe that I believe that's the word that Elizabeth had. I don't know that that's exactly how you said it. But about us getting in the river, how it's not just for me and for her, it's for all of us. The Lord desires us all in his presence. The Lord desires us all in abundance. You know, we're about to start this financial series starting this weekend. The Lord desires us all to come out of financial bondage. All of us. That is not part of our covenant at all. To be hindered by debt, to be hindered by creditors, to be a slave to debt. That is not our calling. Our calling is to be the lender, not the borrower. I want to encourage you. I am so encouraged by you guys all being here tonight. I'll be in a snowy day, and uh, I'm thankful for you. But I want you to know we are going into the presence of the Lord, and we we are going to pursue righteousness as a church. Amen. I want you to catch here real quick the tense that is used right here. It says, God says, I am giving to them the land. I am giving, present tense. And then he says in verse 3, that I have given you. Past tense. Once God gave it, it was given. From then on, it was spoken of in past tense. From that moment on, that land was legally the children of Israel's. But we have to distinguish between legal and experiential. Legal and experiential. You know, when we talk to a believer from a fundamental background about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and by the way, when when the Lord took them through the Jordan, scholars will argue that that walk through the Jordan was baptism, water baptism, but I've also read that it's also Holy Spirit baptism. As, they, as, this, as the Lord parted the waters and the children of Israel walked through, there are so many things that happen through the Old Testament that are pictures of what's to come with the New Testament. But it says here, you know, when we talk from a fundamental background and we come and we say about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, is it a second uh, experience? And so many times, and I've heard it said, when I got saved, I got it all. There was nothing more to get. And one way to answer that is, if you got it all, where is it? Where is it? You know, we, 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 we as, a, as a nation, as a church, are shorthanded. We're not experiencing the fullness of God, are we? I think we're trying, but we're, no, we're nowhere near. Where are the miracles that happened in here? Where are the people getting up out of wheelchairs? Where are the blind eyes seeing? Where's the cancer patients getting completely healed? I haven't seen it all yet. Did I just leave you all again? 
There is more. There is more. He says, I have given you. What's the difference in legal and experiential? It's the difference in having and not having. Let me, let, me try to, let me try to wrap this up. I do believe in a sense, you know, that when we're saved, we do, we do get it all, but, there, but, but there's more. We don't get the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's definitely a separate, a separate thing, and, and you guys know I've preached that. But when we receive Jesus Christ, we become a joint heir with Jesus Christ. We become an heir of God the Father. So, the whole inheritance is legally ours, but there is a great difference between legal and experiential. You may own much legally, but enjoy very little in actual experience. Then The interesting thing about the children of Israel taking the promised land is that at first, God did it by miracle, parted the waters, and in their first battle, God did another miracle. To give them success. But every other battle from then on, the children of Israel had to fight. They had to fight for every piece of land that they possessed. In the same way, we cannot expect to get our inheritance without conflict. The way the children of Israel were to gain their inheritance, what did it say? Wherever you place the soles of your feet is going to be yours. What did that mean? You got to get walking. And if somebody's in your way, you got to take them out. Every place you put your soul or your feet. Legally, it's all ours right at this moment. However, experientially, however, we have to move in and assert our claim to what God has given us. We have to put our foot on each promise as we come to it. We have to say, God has promised me this, and now I lay claim to that promise. There are so many, uh, I, I can feel so many, have you ever seen the guy that spins the plates in the air, and they've, he's got so many going, and one's on his foot, and he's got all these things going? Well, I, I can't do that. But I can feel so many plates in the air spiritually with where we are tonight with the, with the word that you had, with find me in the river, with what God's saying about his promises. Today I was reading, and I'll close here. Today I was reading about how if we will pray according to his word, we will receive it. The, the key to that is praying according to his word. What is praying according to his word? It is having knowledge and acknowledging. It is knowing who he is and walking. If we pray outside of his word, we are just flapping our gums. But when we pray according to his word, we can expect him to produce. It's not a slot machine. It's the kingdom of God. It's not a slot machine. It is a process. Let me tell you, when they went and took the children, when the children of Israel went and took the land, it wasn't easy. Getting in the river of God is not an easy thing. You have to pursue it. You have to go for it. You have to go get in it. Let me tell you, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes it's, there's, a, there's a huge wave coming. 
like tonight. It was an effort to get into worship. It was for me. But if I will pursue him, he will come to my rescue every single time. We must pursue his promises. What are his promises? You need to start digging that. What are his promises? We're going to continue into this. The provision, the abundance, God's abundance, and us getting in it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for your power and your presence. Lord, I just desire, Lord, that we, that we become who you desire us to become, that we change, that we change our hearts, that we turn our hearts. Lord, repentance in itself is a turn, is a step, is a walk, is a decision. And Lord, you require repentance. I believe repentance is the key to revival. I believe repentance is the key to breakthrough. When we can acknowledge our sin, confess our sin, and turn from it, then the Lord can move. John's preaching was always repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus Christ's preaching was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Lord, I ask you to release a repentant heart in, our, in us, Lord. Lord, start with me. Start with me. Lord, I thank you. I can feel you coming in power. If we can, if we can have knowledge and acknowledge you in our lives, you are going to break through. Do it here, Lord. Do it in us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great week.